You are now entering Frida's world. Join us as we address various issues faced by women of color in the workplace. We'll help you navigate your professional and personal life the Frida way. It's Frida's world. Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f*** with future. That's clash it. It's Frida's world. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Frida's World Podcast. I am so excited to be talking to you guys today. Wednesdays have easily become one of my favorite days of the week because I get to engage with you all and discuss things that are really important to me. Um, I mean, being a woman of color in the workplace is very challenging at times. And I could imagine for you all what you guys may be going through. I mean, my workplace right now is not as bad as it was before. And I can't even really say that my workplace right now is actually um, bad per se. I think that... um, I mean, I think that it's definitely much more flexible than my previous jobs. And I definitely think that the people are more understanding of issues. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you're a woman of color, it doesn't really matter sometimes how office friendly, you know, your institution might be, you know, the issues pop up, the issues are there and you're constantly being reminded that you're a woman of color. You're constantly feeling like you have to work twice as hard to prove that you are capable and competent. And I mean, it just, it just doesn't end. It just, it just does not end. The struggle does not end. You're always second guessing comments. You're always second guessing emails. Like, It's just, it just doesn't end. But I think what gives me a lot of solace is that I can actually come on here and discuss these issues and get feedback from you guys and get top, you know, show ideas from you guys and really engage in a way that produces solutions and insight to some of these workplace issues. I think for me, um, I've definitely become more aware of issues in the workplace that prior to doing this podcast, I probably wouldn't necessarily even consider them to be an issue. I just considered it to be, oh, well, this is how things are. Not necessarily seeing that how things are are not conducive or beneficial to me as a woman of color in that workplace. And so I think this podcast so far for me has been very helpful in identifying subtle issues that affect me in the workplace. And I think it's really important that we pay attention and that we are vigilant to, you know, these subtle issues that pop up. You know, we're all we all know about the major ones, you know, discrimination based on gender, based on race and stuff like that. But there are little issues that do pop up, you know, in dealing with coworkers, how to respond when your boss is acting up and showing out and trying to make you do things that are unethical that you know can later on down the line get you more than fired. So we talk about all of these different things. We talk about parenting. We talk about Today, we're actually going to talk about um, something that popped up in one of my uh, 
my uh, WhatsApp chat groups um, the other day. So shout out to the Bonita Bubble, which is a makeup of some amazing women across different disciplines. We have doctors, accountants, lawyers, pharmacists in this group. And we talk about everything, but for the large part, I think we talk about workplace issues. We It's very interesting to see how these workplace issues manifest in these different settings. So one of my coworkers in my coworkers, guys, I'm tired. <laughs> one of my friends in the um Bonita chat group. I guess I I guess I'm saying coworker because I feel like sometimes we all work together because we're always talking about workplace issues. But one of my girls in the Bonita bubble, she works in a very prestigious financial firm. And she brought up a topic the other day that I thought was very interesting. And I really wanted to delve into it a little deeper. And basically, she was presented with an issue where there's a coworker of hers who is constantly taking off, constantly leaving early and, you know, claiming that it's due to childcare and, you know, childcare issues or ch- the child is sick or whatever the case is, but it's due to their child. And my friend is very sympathetic. You know, she's a very um, reasonable individual. She's not just, you know, squawking just a squawk. But I think she made some really valid points in that this individual who is taking off all the time and saying that it's due to their child, um, that individual's work now has been put on her and other colleagues who are childless single workers. And, you know, there's, the issue is like whether or not this is fair. And it actually draws on this point that I've heard made from many of my single childless friends who are like, I, why should I suffer? Why should I be penalized? Because I don't have children. And I've even heard many people actually say, many single um, childless individuals say that they feel like their um, their jobs, their institutions maybe even discriminating against them because they don't have children. So we know in recent years, there have been, um, you know, all these efforts to make the workplace more family friendly, right? But um, in recent articles that I've read, some have actually found that in these employers, um, I guess, methods or these employers' efforts to make the office setting more family friendly has actually created an adverse effect on single people without children because and when the, the article broke it down a little more and um was basically stating that you know you have childless single childless workers who seemingly have no attachments employers kind of love that. They love that they have these employees that they can call on whenever they want, right? Because it's like, you don't have a family, you're not attached. So you can put in these 100 hours of work this week. You can work weekends. You can go on the last minute business trip. What's your excuse? You don't have any kids. So, you know, you're not attached. You're not tied down. Why can't you do it? And so single childless people are starting to rise up and they're saying, no, we're not doing this anymore. We have lives too. Just because we don't have children doesn't mean that we do not have lives. Doesn't mean that we don't have things to do, that we don't have better things to do with our time than give you a hundred hours of our life. 
And, you know, in reading that, I'm like, you know what? That is true. I mean, at some point I was single and childless in the workforce. And I can remember times where I had the colleagues who had children who would leave early, who couldn't do certain assignments because it interfered with their their schedule with their child and whatnot. And although I never felt bitter or felt um, a type of way about these individuals, because I because I also understood that I'm like, well, you have kids, you know, I, I can understand how that can create some issues. But I always wondered, well, what about me though? Like is it fair that I have to take the weekend shift because you have a child? Like, I know we talk about collaborative, um, you know, I guess collaborative work settings and and being part of the team and chipping in and whatnot. But is that what that means to chip in and to be a team player is to take all the weekend shifts, all the night shifts, all the last minute trips because your colleague has a kid? Because at the end of the day, I mean, the argument that some of these single childless workers make that, listen, you know, if I chose not to have a child, that was my choice. Or if I chose to wait to have children or if I just didn't have a kid yet, that doesn't mean that I have to get all of the dirty work. That's not what I signed up for when I joined this team or joined this firm or or just applied to this job, period. So for me... I understand both sides of the argument because I am a parent of a middle school aged boy. And so the struggle is real. There have been times where I've had to call off cases. I've had cases scheduled and I've had to call them off. I've had to ask for adjournments because my son woke up and was throwing up violently all over the house. I don't have help. I'm a single mother. And anybody who, you know, who used to be able to help are either working or have their own issues. And so I'm truly in a position where I am raising this child alone and I don't have anybody who can just pop in and pop out to take care of my kid when he's sick. You know, what what other choice do I have but to stay home, but to take him to the doctor, but to take him to the hospital? And unfortunately, that means that, you know, somebody else might have to suffer um, but I try, but for me, I try to keep those occurrences very, very, you know, to a minimum. I mean, if I can't help it, I can't help it. But if I can make provisions, I will. Um, so I understand, you know, the point where as a parent, you're like, what do you want me to do? The kid is sick, you know? Um, so sometimes you do have to leave early. Sometimes work has to be left unfinished because you have to go. Um, So I totally understand, you know, the parent's perspective when it comes to that. We're not all trying to skirt the system. We're not all trying to take advantage of the policies that have been put in place to allow for family-friendly environment. Some of us really want to take pride in our work and we really want to, you know, make a mark in the company and work those extra hours. I mean, for me, if I could, you know, stay late on certain nights and get things done, I truly would because I don't like to have unfinished tasks on my table. I don't. But it is what it is, right? Um, so I understand both sides of the coin, but it's kind of become, uh, you know, over the years, over the recent years, as 
I guess, single childless workers are becoming more vocal about their time as well. It's kind of created some sort of a showdown at the workplace between parents and single childless workers. And I think that it's almost unfair, though, for for that to even be the case in the workplace because, you know, parents are parents and they have responsibilities and obligations. And it's not fair to be like, well, we're not going to hire parents because, you know, they're not always, you know, because they can have emergencies at any point. You know, we've been discriminated for the longest time in the workplace as well, too, because a lot of these financial institutions, law firms and whatnot, they want somebody that can work like a slave. And so parents of children have not been attractive candidates for them. So these single childless workers have been, you know, winning, in my opinion, for the longest time when it came to getting, you know, certain types of positions. But as we are entering, you know, more modern times and workplace balance has become like the topic of the day, I, I understand where single childless people are saying, listen, you want to talk about work-life balance. It's not just about work-life balance. Let me go home and see my kid. It's about, you know, allowing me to take off early maybe sometime so I could train for that marathon that I've always wanted to do. It's giving me time to, you know, be uh, be an active participant in these home renovations that's taking place. And for pet owners, as I've recently become a pet owner, it's I need time to take my animal to the pet to address issues. For example, I think it was what, two weeks ago? My kitten had an issue and I had to take him to the vet. And then we ended up getting him, I think it's sprayed. I can never say this term right. Sprayed, neutered, whatever. His male parts had to be taken out. But I actually, and it was a surgery and I had to take him to the vet and I had to get into work a little late because I had to pick him up and then I had to make sure that he had the proper litter and that, you know, he wasn't, he was taking his antibiotics. Like it was a real thing. And so, you know, single Single childless people have agendas as well, too. They have lives as well, too. So I guess at the end of the day, it's what are we going to do about it? Like, what can be done so that um, parents with children are not seen as a burden to their colleagues who are childless? Like, how do we how do we level out the playing field to in such a way where everyone is content, right? This the childless single co-workers are not envious or bitter of Sally who gets to leave every day at 4:30 or who slips in and slips out. Now, this, you know, with in every office setting, there are people who take advantage. So, are there people who take advantage? Are there parents who take advantage of these workplace flexibilities? Of course. There are parents whose children are not sick, but they are quick to say my child is sick so that they can take a personal day for themselves or that they can take care of their own issues. Meanwhile, creating undue uh, burden for their colleagues. So, yes, people take advantage of it. It's not always about the kid. It's not always an emergency. I get that. But for argument's sake, let's say that we're talking about parents who are who are not violating or abusing the workplace family whatever policy right like what can employers do to ensure that if these emergencies do occur 
that the workers who stay behind are not burdened by given extra work and whatnot. How can we make it a little more fair for our single childless, um, you know, our single childless employees? Um, I definitely think it's incumbent on the employer to really get the ball moving when it comes to this. I mean, it, their management, they are the ones who are setting the tone, who are creating these particular spaces. And so I think it's incumbent on them to figure out how we can level out the playing field in a way that is not going to, um, you know, burden, burden, you know, individuals who are who are not taking off as much. One thing I think that employers can do is implement more work from home options. Like create more opportunities for employees to work from home. Now, this obviously depends on what type of industry you work in, where you actually work. That might not work from home might not be feasible or ideal depending on, you know, what you do for a living. For example, I'm an attorney and I litigate. And so therefore work from home is not necessarily something that's ideal for me on a day-to-day basis. Now, what I can say is that I'm not um, trying cases on a daily basis, Monday through, well, some weeks I am, but for the most part, if schedules were done properly and, you know, um, schedules were done properly and, 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 and whatnot, I think There could be a set schedule where it's like, okay, if I'm handling cases Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, Tuesdays and Thursdays, if I'm just doing cleanup work, you know, uh, I don't know, data entry calls, things of that nature, maybe that's something that I can do from home. If I'm, you know, if, if there's a proper system and network set up. I can essentially work from home two days a week because the things that I'm doing in the office, I could essentially do at home. Now, again, because of my industry, I do have to interface with individuals. I do have to be present to, you know, handle my caseload and whatnot. So on the days where I'm actually scheduled to, you know, to litigate, those would be the days that obviously I would not be working from home. And therefore, if there's an emergency that takes place, you know, uh, you know, we'd have to figure out, I guess, from there what to, what to do. But a lot of, a lot of us um, don't necessarily work in settings that require us to have day-to-day interactions with individuals. And so in those work settings, I think that if employers were to put a little more effort into creating these opportunities uh, for employees, that would definitely um, reduce some of the burden that's placed on the single childless workers um, who end up having to, I guess, take up the work when their colleagues have to leave for an emergency. Um, So that's one. Secondly, there are many companies now who are starting to invest in childcare opportunities on the work site because they understand that, again, a lot of these parents want to actually work. They want to work. I mean, to be honest, work kind of gives you a break from your children. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it sounds sad, but it's true. Work is a place where it's like, oh, I can engage with other humans, other other adults. 
and you leave the children behind. So a lot of times we're not looking to like not work. The issue is if we don't have childcare, if especially in New York City where they're always calling off school for randomness, like one inch of snow, there's no school. Half days, like today my son has a half day. What what is a parent to do when they bring their child to school at 8 a.m. and now have to turn around and pick them up for 11? It doesn't make any sense. But it's like, what do you do? Now, let's say you do go and you pick up that child for 11. It's like you, you want to go back to work, but what are you going to do with the kid? There are a lot of office settings now that are becoming a little more flexible. Like where I currently work, they totally understand that this is what happens. And so they allow for you to bring your child to work. In fact, many of them, whenever there's these half days or no school days, you will find many children <laughs> running around in this particular workplace. Because I think they've understood that if we say kids are not allowed here, half, if not more than half of the workforce will be calling out and work will not be done. And so in order to get ahead of that, they've allowed, they've, the office is, office is child friendly. It doesn't mean that I could bring my kid there every day, but it does mean that when emergencies take place, when you know school is out, I can bring my child to work. Nobody's going to look at me sideways. Nobody's going to look at me you know, like I have five heads or five horns on my head, like, what are you doing? It's an acceptable practice at my, you know, particular job. That's not the case for many of you guys out there. And I totally understand that. But maybe employers, depending again on the demographic of the people that's working there, that might be something that they might want to look into. If they notice that there's like five or more parents that are having this issue, this reoccurring issue, that might be something that management might want to, um, you know, you know, implement some sort of child care program or, or something that can assist these parents. I would say the next thing I would say is actually more so for the employee who finds themselves in these situations, right? So many of us who are parents, and let me not say just parents, parent, we're talking about, you know, parents versus um, childless um, single workers, but the taking care of individuals is not just, you know, parent taking care of a child. It can be child taking care of their parent even, right? Some of us have aging parents, parents who are ill. And sometimes we, there are emergencies in which we have to leave work to take care of our parents because we don't have anybody else to help and assist with that. So this kind of, you know, this this last piece really touches on various, um, can, can, can really go across various um, um, streams. It can, I mean, it can even... Uh, I guess, deal with pets, those of us who have pets and need to take off because our pet is sick, you know? So it's not, this part right here is not just about um, the children. It could be, you know, taking care of our parents or our elderly parents and whatnot. Um, but asking for flex time schedule, a lot of us are afraid to ask for things at the workplace. We're afraid to inquire out of fear that if we inquire, it's going to make us look 
some type of way to the employer. Either we're looking for some way out, we're looking for some release. Maybe our requests um, are indicative of us being incapable of handling a workload. Whatever the reason is, many of us find it very hard to ask for things, ask for relief, ask for um Ask for the ability to use active policies that have been currently implemented for our use. <laughs> a lot of us, a lot of a lot of times our office settings have policies, have procedures available for us to use, but we don't want to use it because we're like, if we use it, then everybody's gonna think that we're not capable. So we're not gonna use what HR has implemented for our use crazy, but I get it. Trust me, I get it. But requesting shift changes. So if you are a parent who who is always slipping out because you have to leave, you can't, if you leave at five, it's too late. But if you leave at 4.30, it's, it's just enough time for you to go pick up your kid or for you to do whatever it is. Ask for a shift change. See if it's possible. Ask to, instead of starting at nine, Maybe you can start at 8.30 so you can leave at 4.30. A lot of us are afraid to ask for these simple things. Now, I'm not saying that if you always ask, you will receive because I don't know your employer. I don't know your environment. They might not be as accommodating. But in situations where your accommodation request is a legitimate one, like falls under the ADA, American Disabilities Act, let's say that you have a child who has some medical issues and there is a real reason why you're asking to leave early or you're asking for this shift change to accommodate their doctor's appointments and your employer is saying no, you might want to hit up the Commission of Human Rights right quick. You might want to hit up an employment lawyer right quick to talk about whether or not your employer has a duty to accommodate your request. Wink, wink. Um, So there's that, you know what I mean? But even without going so far, just making a simple request. If they say no, they say no. And if they say no and you need to take it a step further, then you know what to do. But if they say no, they say no. I mean, you have to ask. You have to ask. And I'm saying you and I'm including me because... We don't, we're just, we just don't like asking for things. We do not like asking the employers for anything because we fear what that might translate to. And if we are saying that we want better working conditions and that we want better work environments and that we want there to be, uh, you know, what is it, leveled playing fields in our workplace then we need to be a little more vocal. We need to be a little more proactive with regards to what it is that we want. Now, if your employer is crazy, you might want to go to HR and try to investigate, try to probe, try to see what the possibility of such requests might be. Again, 
a part of me, I really do feel for my single childless workers because I do feel that in many office settings, you guys were the coveted prize. That's number one. They loved you. They loved you. Your employers probably love you or loved you because you don't have any quote unquote attachments. However, I understand that life, <laughs> life is just more than just having children. Life is about participating in things, you know, joining groups, being a part of a marathon, you know, spending time with friends. Those are things that are important to to almost anyone. I'm a parent and I definitely would love to be able to leave work early sometimes just to kind of take a breather or to just, you know, walk into a museum and look at some paintings. Like that's a mental health day for me. So I totally understand, um, you know, the, the, the need the desire to, I guess, be treated equally in a sense in the workplace when it comes to uh, this issue of, I guess, um, flexibility. The single childless worker also desires flexibility and should have flexibility. I think, I think as we are moving further or deeper into this digital age, this new era, flexibility is something that is almost as equally important as salary. People would be willing to take pay cuts for flexibility. And I think it's very important for employers to really understand that not everyone who is, who is quote unquote unattached is looking to be a workhorse and a work machine. And so with that being said, you know, there is this showdown. There is this showdown between parents and single childless workers. There is. I've seen it. I feel like I've almost experienced it. Um, you know, there's little side eyes when you call and say you can't come in because the child is sick. There's that question, hmm, is that child really sick? I get it. There is some animosity that gets built up. And there is some resentment, there is some jealousy, and I can't even say that it's misplaced. It's not misplaced because I do feel that um, there are a lot of efforts to accommodate parents and um, guardians in the workplace to the point or to the extent where it almost infringes on the rights and liberties and flexibilities of the single childless worker. Um, But I think instead of these two groups kind of going at it and being resentful against each other, I think really this is an issue for upper management and for employers to really take hold of, to really address, and to really do what they need to do, um, whether it be some of the things that I mentioned today um, or new and not, you know, more new, novel and innovative, effective, efficient, whatever methods, whatever you want to, whatever name you want to put to it, they need to do something. They need to do something to ensure that one, you know, they're able to retain their good employees and they're not essentially pushing them out because of their unfair treatment. Um, but they just, I mean, if we're going to talk about workplace balance and creating fair and friendly and family oriented, um, you know, workspaces, 
we need to acknowledge or they need to acknowledge that family is not just, you know, about the children. Family can be the pets. Family can be friends. Family can be your partner. So there needs to be an understanding that the definition of um, family-friendly environment is not just um, really relegated to children, um, it's it's much more than that. And so if employers understand that it's much more than that, their workplace expectations and, you know, the practices that they set up will encourage and foster this across the board. And so hopefully, you know, as time goes on, there will be less and less of this animosity. There will be less and less of this talk about a workplace showdown between parents and non-parents. And I'm hoping that that happens soon because I do feel for my friends who work in these environments in which they have to take most, you know, they're, they're, they're really dealing with the brunt of the work and they are essentially being dumped work because people are taking off to coach soccer, to take their kids to the, you know, to, um, the doctor to, you know, address emergencies that take place. I mean, these are all real things though, you know, the same way you have to take time off for you to go to the doctor, imagine the parent who's taking time for them and for the child. So you are going to see that, you know, that level of, uh, that, 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 I guess that disparity, I guess, if you want to call it that, but I think that there are ways to remedy it. There are ways to remedy it in which you as the single um, childless worker does not have to feel the absence of your other coworkers. I think that's really where it, what it comes down to. Creating a mechanism, creating solutions that will allow for the childless worker to not feel the absence of their coworker in the workplace. And so that everything is just copacetic. So with all of that being said, hopefully, um, hopefully I've addressed some of the issues that uh, I guess that rear their ugly little head when it comes to this particular topic. Hopefully there's a level of understanding now that we've kind of dissected the two the two groups. And I hope that if you are an employer, that you will endeavor to, you know, implement some of the things that I've stated today or implement something that will make your workplace environment family friendly for all. And if you are an employee who truly feel like you're liberties and your flexibility and your rights are being infringed upon and you feel that there is a level of unfairness that's going on at the workplace, you need to speak up. Speak up and, you know, be be the change that you want to see in the workplace. And for the employees that are the ones who are in need of the accommodations, you need to speak up and you need to ask for the accommodations. If it needs to be a shift change, if it needs to be something more than a shift change, um, say something. And if your concerns are not being properly addressed, then there are other steps that you can take. Um, and so I just encourage all of you to just be, you know, proactive in the workplace to be, you know, to not, not accept the culture to just be the culture. If something is not 
beneficial for you um, and you find that it's a reasonable ask, you know, say something. So that is a wrap for this week's show. I really hope you guys, again, were able to get something from it. And if you guys have any topics, if you guys have any questions or concerns, definitely send an email to fridasworld at gmail.com. That's F-R-E-E-D-A-S world at gmail.com. And I promise to address your concerns, to address your issues. If you want to be a guest on the show, send me an email, let me know, and we will make it happen. So that is a wrap. And I will talk to you guys next week. It's Frida's world. Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you with future. That's clash it. It's Frida's world.